This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 240. So today is Sunday, April 10th, 2022. And as usual, I'm covering the latest weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon rumors, Nikon rumors, Fuji rumors, and Sony Alpha rumors. So let's head on over to Canon rumors and see what they have for us this week. New Canon 600mm f4 design uses spotting scope trick. Just a month after the Canon R5 came out in 2020, Canon filed a patent application published only this morning that attempts to make a smaller 600mm f4 without resorting to Fresnel DL optics and avoiding catadioptric designs that use a central mirror that blocks some light and causes donut bokeh. The new design places two optical tubes atop each other with a couple figure four mirror arrangements that bump the light from the top, larger aperture tube eventually down to the lower tube that contains most of the focusing and aberration correcting lens groups. The movement of the light between the two tubes takes up 575 millimeters of the 600 millimeter focal length, allowing for significant length savings. This result in a two-tube squished-together look seen commonly among spotting scopes. Based on the back focus being listed as 80 millimeters, the length of this lens appears to be about 24 centimeters long or 9.5 inches and only about an inch and a half longer than the RF 70-200 f2.8L when shot at 200 millimeters. The objective lens element at the end, though, would have to be the same diameter as current 600 millimeter f4 lenses, making it quite a stubby design. The center of gravity would be about the same distance from the camera as when one puts a hand under a 70 to 200 f2.8 lens, giving the lens quite a lot more maneuverability. Canon plainly decided to explore all strategies when looking to improve on its super telephoto lineup when moving to the R mount. In the meantime, it's repurposed its recent 600mm EF mount F4 and 400mm 2.8 Mark III designs by slapping a permanent R-mount adapter on them. It simultaneously designed and launched a brace of small aperture 600-800mm F11 Freshnel DO lens to many positive reviews. The length of those lenses was abbreviated both by the Freshnel element and also with a collapsing optical tube that needs to be extended prior to use. Very recently, other patents using more traditional catadioptric lens designs appears to be roughly the same time period. The fact that the DO design effort required the addition of a telescoping tube to save length may indicate that Canon may have given up on that much hoped-for 600mm f4 DO lens that appeared briefly at a trade show as a prototype model seven years ago. Since that time, Canon embraced on a notably diverse research effort primarily to reduce size and weight of super telephoto lenses, with the image quality remaining about equal to the excellent results first achieved with its EF Mark II super telephoto lenses. 
Canon's recent announcement of variations on the RF 4028 and the 600 F4 designs, adapting them into an 800 and 1200 millimeter offering through the use of teleconverting lens groups, disappointed some, as many RF super telephoto shooters were hoping for more design innovation and adapters and teleconverters on the older EF lens designs. The lens reception didn't get a boost from the announcing pricing with a roughly 30% boost in versus with the corresponding base lens. The strategy of reusing older designs, especially ones considered close to optical optimums, could have proved popular if the efficiencies created, result, created resulted in more people being able to purchase them. In the meantime, Nikon Z-mount, long criticized for sporting a mostly amateur lens lineup, two days ago started delivering its 400mm f2.8 lens that comes with an internal switchable teleconverter rendering the lens also a 560mm f5.6. To top it off, it started seeding some pre-production models to its felt 800mm 6.3 Fresnel-based design lens last week. That lens is rumored to cost about a third the price of the announced upcoming RF 800mm lens. That difference in price between Canon's new 800 and Nikon's is about the price of a copy of Nikon's new flagship Z9 camera. So it looks like Canon is trying to come up with some new super telephoto designs, but they're kind of falling short in design ideas. They need to definitely refresh and rethink the super telephoto lenses for the RF mount. It's not going to make consumers happy to just slap an RF mount or a teleconverter on their existing EF lenses and then want to charge a ridiculously high price. I don't think people are going to go for that. Further clarification on the upcoming Canon Cine lenses. We have received a detailed clarification, thank you, on the upcoming two cinema lenses that we leaked back in early March. According to the source, these new lenses are not based on the RF mount. The lenses have been designed for the EF and PL mounts. This actually makes sense for Canon Cine lenses as the lenses would take, would then support the largest possible market share of high-end cinema cameras. It would also be impractical to support PL on the RF mount in one lens as the PL mount is 52 millimeters for the flange to sensor distance versus 20 for the RF mount. Meanwhile, the EF mount, which is also quasi-industry standard, has a 44mm flange to sensor distance, making the conversion to PL far more realistic. These lenses are also designed for full-frame and are 8K capable and even larger than full-frame image circles. The source mentions the lenses are capable of supporting Alexa LF. They are also rumored to be fast, the fastest cinema zooms available on the market when they are released. Does all this sound expensive? Oh, yes. The prices are rumored to be around $35,000 each. We're expecting more details around the middle of this month, if not the full announcement, and the lenses will most likely be shown at NAB. So definitely some not inexpensive lenses, but the cinema industry can support that a lot more than regular shooters can, since the Hollywood studios tend to have very deep pockets. <laughs> Next up, Canon applies for high-magnification super telephoto zoom patent. Atypically, in patent embodiments, it's usually difficult for super telephoto zoom lenses to take full advantage of the RF mount. One reason is that you can't simply use a tele-extender if the rear elements are sitting too far back in the lens. Because of this, at times, it's difficult to determine if a patent application is for an RF or EF lenses because there's so much room in the rear of the lens from the last element to the sensor plane that it could be either mount tight. 
And this Japan patent application, 2022-053697, Canon is applying for some higher magnification, shorter MFD super telephoto zooms. These embodiments show a back-focused distance of around 30 millimeters, which would make them more extender non-friendly for the entire zoom range. But they could fit the extender on for only the telephoto part of their zoom, similar to the RF100 to 500L. With a short back distance, these embodiments are certainly RF mount only. Birders and sports enthusiasts that have long lusted over the Sigma and Tamron super telephoto zooms would be lining up the night before to get their hands on the 70 to 700, I think. The specs as they're listed, the Canon RF 60 to 600 f4.5 to 8, focal length 61.50, 164.60 and 585 millimeters, of course. F number 4.46, 5.94, and 8.16. Half angle of view, 19.38 degrees, 7.49 degrees, and 2.12 degrees. Lens total length, 258.90, 302.70, and 346.50 millimeters again. With a back focus of 30 millimeters, 49.79 millimeters, and 90.50 millimeters. For the Canon RF 70 to 700 F4.5 to 8, focal length 70, 185.35, and 682. F number 4.76, 6.20, and 8.16. Half angle of view 17.18, 6.66, and 1.82. Lens total length 271 millimeters, 316 millimeters, and 361 millimeters. With back focus of 31.22 millimeters, 50.94 millimeters and 97.50 millimeters. Now, it would be interesting to see if Canon actually brings either one of these lenses to market. That's, they're kind of an odd focal range, but having 600 millimeters or 700 millimeters with a maximum aperture of F8 uh, or 4.5 on the short end, uh, I could see people buying those. And it would give a little more competition to Sigma and Tamron with their 150 to 600, so... We'll have to wait and see, keep an eye on those patents and see if either one of them actually eventually makes it to market. Nikon releases Z800 millimeter at one third the cost of Canon's. This is from April 6th. Nikon this morning released its Z800 millimeter F63 PF VRS, a big milestone for the Z mount, which until some weeks ago lacked some most serious super telephoto glass. Rumored only recently to be launching, the lens turns out to be a light 5.25 pounds and a cheap $6,500. It employs Nikon's PF Freshnel technology to significantly shorten the lens. While review copies seated around the YouTuber community were tethered to agreements preventing people from commenting on image quality with the pre-production models, the MTF chart found on Nikon's site is pretty breathtaking as seen at the left, and you can find this in the show notes. Because the Nikon lens is a PF Freshnel design, the MTF chart may reflect theoretical production perfection that isn't quite reached in actual manufacturing. It will be some time before samples in the wild confirm what the graph suggests. This contrasts with the MTF chart Canon released for its upcoming RF 800mm f5.6, which uses the RF 400mm 2.8 design as a base and some internal elements to increase magnification. While this produces a better minimum focusing distance, the image quality, while still apparently excellent, is one or two generations behind. 
It should be noted that the Canon MTF chart shown above is corrected for diffraction effects where the Nikon MTF charts are not. If the diffraction effects on the MTF charts are similar to those seen with previous Canon lenses, this could explain about half the difference in apparent MTF performance. There appears to be just three downsides to the Nikon lens. One, the aperture is one-third stop smaller than most 800mm super telephotos. Two, while better than most previous 800mm offerings, its minimum focusing distance is still pretty far out at more than five yards, giving the lens a 0.16 time magnification ratio. This means that shooters have to back away from close subjects to get them in focus. And three, you have to affix it to a Nikon body. The good news about the new Nikon release is that the price difference between it and the new Canon equivalent is so wide that you could buy two flagship Nikon Z9 cameras with the difference. The new Canon is 32% heavier, about two inches longer, and the image quality appears to be significantly impaired relative to the new Nikon. Nikon also managed to make the lens image stabilization talk to the Z9's in-body image stabilization to provide a combined 5.5 stops of stabilization versus the new Canon 4.5 stops. Having based their new lens on the EF mount 400mm Mark III design was unable to similarly integrate the IS system on Canon's part. As neither lens has yet shipped, the specs may look more favorable to one side on paper, yet turn out significantly less in actual field use. We've seen underspec Canon products outperform the competition in the field before. But one spec that is unlikely to prove unexpected better in the field will be the $6,500 price of the Nikon versus the $17,000 price of the Canon. Pre-orders are being accepted already, and shipping is expected to happen, well, sometime, but not soon. <laughs> so it will be interesting to see if the Nikon 800mm lens is actually a good performer, being it's considerably cheaper than the Canon offering. Uh, only time will tell once people actually have it in their hands out in the field. We'll find out a little bit more. And last up for Canon rumors for this week, new cinema lenses to be 20 to 50 millimeter and 45 to 135 millimeter. We just got word that the new cinema EOS zoom lenses will be a 20 to 50 and a 45 to 135 with an aperture wider than the current zoom aperture maximum values of 2.8. Mounts will be EF and PL as expected, the image circles will be a bit wider than full frame so as to accommodate various video sensors that are slightly larger, such as the VistaVision format employed by some RED and Panavision cameras. So it looks like Canon does have a couple of interesting cinema zoom lenses that will be on the market before too long. But again, those are for EF and PL mount only. All right, now we're going to head on over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. First up, the Nikon Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 TC VRS lens is now shipping. This new lens for the Z mount is now shipping in the U.S. I received the first email confirmation from a reader that the lens is actually shipping. Of course, the order was placed on the day of the announcement, January 18th. I expect the wait time for the Nikon Z 400mm lens to be similar to the Z9 or around one year. You can check pricing and availability in the U.S. and Canada at Adorama, B&H Photo, Amazon, Paul's Photo, Service Photo, and Camera Canada. In Europe at Calumet DE, Calumet NL, Photo Koch, Park Cameras, and Wex UK. 
and there is previous coverage of the Nikkor Z 400mm 2.8 lens that you can find in an accompanying link in the show notes for this episode. New versions of Sharpen AI 4.1, Denoise AI 3.6, Luminar AI 1.5.2, and Luminar Neo 1.04 have been released. Topaz Labs Sharpen AI version 4.1 released with improved select or auto select mask models, streamlined batch model downloads, and other performance enhancements. You can use coupon code Rumors15 for an extra 15% off. Topaz Labs Denoise AI version 3.6 released with an updated raw model, refreshed file saving experience, and stability improvements to bring you even better noise reduction. Again, you can use coupon code RUMORS15 for an extra 15% off. Skylum's Luminar AI version 1.5.2 and Luminar Neo version 1.04 were released with new functionality and improved performance. And you can find all of the information and the links for these software updates in the show notes for today's episode. April Nikon USA rebates 3Z and 3F Nikkor lenses are on sale. The new Nikon USA rebates for April are now listed at Adorama and B&H Photo. For the Z-mount, the Nikon Z40mm f2 is $50 off. The Nikon Z28mm f2.8 is $50 off. And the Nikon Z28-75 2.8 is $200 off. All of these at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H Photo. In the F-mount, the Nikon 28 F1.4e is $200 off, the 35 1.4g is $150 off, and the 85mm F1.8g is $50 off at the same three retailers. Update, some of the old camera rebates are still active. The Nikon D850, $200 off, and the Nikon Z camera rebates are available at Adorama and B&H. Same with the D850, as well as on Amazon. Check out also the Seven Artisans Easter Sale, up to 20% off on all lenses. Nikkor, Nikon, uh, Nikon Nikkor Z800mm F63 VRPFS lens officially announced. As already reported, Nikon officially announced the Nikon Nikkor Z800mm F63 VRPFS lens. Here are the details. Pre-orders are now open. Pre-order now, even if you are not sure you need this lens, you can always cancel it later. The wait time for this lens will be very, very long. And you can pre-order in the Americas at Adorama, Amazon, B&H Photo, Paul's Photo, Service Photo, and Camera Canada. In Europe at Wex UK, Park UK, Jessup's UK, Calumet DE, Calumet NL, Photo Koch DE, and Photo Earnhardt DE. Reviews at 42 West and Explora. Sample images are available at the accompanying link. Lens features, MTF charts, design, press release, and more are also available. You can find all of this information in the show notes for this episode. Next up, here are the first Nikon Nikkor Z800mm F63 VRPFS lens video reviews. Here are the first reviews on this lens. Pre-orders are now open at Adorama, Amazon, B&H, Park, Wex, Calumet, Earnhardt, and Koch. And you can watch these official videos on YouTube at their accompanying channels. We have uh, Reesey Talks, Steve Perry, Adorama, B&H Photo, Tom Mason, and DP Review TV. All have lens, uh, lens reviews on this lens available. 
on their official YouTube channels. You can find all of those videos in the show notes for today's episode. Next up, interesting. The Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 lens hood costs $1,071. The Nikkor Z 800mm f6.3 lens hood costs $150. Here's some interesting Nikon trivia for you. The lens hood for the new Nikon Z 800mm f6.3 lens costs $150, while the lens hood for the Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 costs $1,071. Here are the rest of the accessories to compare. So you have the uh, coming soon, the Nikon LC K106 front lens cap for $67.95 and the Nikon HB104 lens hood for $149.95 available for pre-order. Let's see here. What else do we have? We have the TCVRS lens accessories, the lens hood for $1,071. As mentioned a moment ago, that's for the 400 millimeter. Then we have the Nikon CPL460 slip-in circular polarizer for $512.95. Then we have the Nikon CLL3 lens case for the Nikkor Z 400mm for $291.95. And the Nikon LCK105 front lens cap for the Z 400mm for $82.95. And that is interesting. I wonder why the heck one lens hood costs almost $1,100. Man, that's an expensive lens hood. Crazy. I hope to God that's a typo, but I don't think it is. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor Z 800mm F63 VRPFS lens. Pre-order links have been updated. Uh, in the Americas, you can pre-order at Adorama, Amazon, B&H Photo, Paul's Photo, Service Photo, and Camera Canada. In Europe, at Wex UK, Park UK, Jessup's UK, Calumet DE, Calumet NL, Photocots DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Amazon has already closed its pre-order option in the U.S. I strongly encourage readers to pre-order the new lens ASAP. Even if you're not sure you want this lens, you can always cancel later. The wait time for this lens will be very, very long, more than likely a year. So (laughs) you better pull the trigger now if you think you might want the lens because you're going to have a long wait either way. Next up, the Nikon ENEL18D battery for the Z9 camera is now in stock. You can now find it, uh, was at Adorama, but it's sold out already. You can still find it on Amazon. They will sell out fast, so get one quick if you're planning to get one. From Nikon's website, quote, the ENEL18D rechargeable lithium-ion battery, which is 10.8 volts and 3,300 milliamp-hour capacity, is designed for use in powering the select Nikon cameras. The ENEL18D must be charged using the MH33 battery charger. The ENEL18D batteries can charge the battery within the Z9 mirrorless camera or power the camera. To do so, connect the camera to a computer using a Nikon UC-E25 USB cable, which is sold separately. The UC-E24 USB cable that comes with the camera cannot be used for charging. The ENEL18D batteries cannot be charged using the older MH26, MH26A, or MH26AK battery chargers. So keep that in mind. You have to use the specific charger for this battery. Even though it'll fit the other chargers, it will not charge properly. And last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, for $98, the new silver TT Artisan 50mm f1.2 lens for the Z-mount 
is an absolutely perfect match for the Nikon ZFC camera. You can see the combination of the camera and body together in the images in the show notes, and it is a gorgeous combination. The lens is now available for order at Adorama B&H Photo and the official TT Artisan online store for $98. International shipping is available. This lens was previously available only in a black finish. Some additional information, the lens is available in E, EOS, M, X, Z, L, Micro Four Third, and Micro Four Third mount. Aperture range of 1.2 to 16. Focusing method is manual focus operation. Minimum focusing distance, 0.5 meters. Focus length is 50 millimeters. I think that's supposed to be focal length. Filter size, 52 millimeters. Maximum aperture, F1.2. Minimum aperture, F16. Frame type, APS-C and micro four-thirds. Focus type is manual. The closest focus distance length is 0.5 meters. Diaphragm blades, 10 pieces, optical design, seven elements and five groups, and weight of 336 grams. And it is an absolutely beautiful lens. And I know it is nice when camera lens makers offer their lenses in both black and silver, uh, because I know a lot of the people that shoot with the X bodies like to buy the black and silver finished cameras. Now, I didn't. I opted for the all black X-T4s as well as X-E4, but my GFX-50R is black and silver both, and it does look pretty cool. Now, for me personally, being my camera bodies are black only, I prefer to stay away from the silver lenses just because I think it makes the body look weird if the camera's all black and the lens is all silver. But maybe that's just me. Although, since I got the manual-only version of the Rokinon 12mm for the time being, that is silver, was not available in black. Only the autofocus model was available in black. So, there you have it. All right, I'm going to take a short break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. All right. Now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what Patrick has for us this week. Wow, a 0.7 times focal reducer for the 24 millimeter F14, two times macro probe, the EFX and PLX. This Laowa focal reducer is one of the weirdest looking lenses ever. The 24mm f14 2x macro probe lens has been announced. The options available for Fujifilm X mount are EF to X focal reducer and the PL to X focal reducer. And you can see the video from the official Laowa YouTube channel, which you can find in the show notes for today's episode. Exclusive upcoming XF 18 to 120 will have constant F4 aperture. Back at the Fuji X Summit in September 2021, Fujifilm made several announcements, which included a new G mount lens roadmap as well as a new X mount lens roadmap. 
The X road map included the XF 18 to 120 millimeter, which Fuji Rumors was able to compare in size to other Fujinon XF lenses, thanks to the theor or to the technical sketch Fujifilm gave us during the summit. The only hint Fujifilm gave us about this lens is that it will be great for stills and video, and that it will come in 2022. What Fujifilm did not tell us was how fast Fujifilm would make this lens. Well, that mystery has now been solved by one of our top trusted sources who told us that it will be a Fujinon XF 18-120 F4. Take a deep breath, guys, as you are now entering a roller coaster of rumors. That does sound like a pretty cool lens. I mean, 18 to 120 is a good range. Uh, I wish they would have had it out sooner and it would have been available as a kit when I bought my X-T4. Because I have the 16 to 80, but I think the 18 to 120 would have been a little bit better. Maybe that's just me. Ah, oh well. Fujinon 28mm f1.0, 32mm f1.0, and 35mm f1.0 patents. Fujifilm has patented these uh, lenses, the XF28 f1.0, the XF32 1.0, and the XF35 1.0. You know what I think about patents 99.999999% of the time, they will remain forever on paper. Patent details, example 1, 35mm f1.0, focal length is 34.686, f number 1.03, angle of view is 45.4. For the 28mm focal length, 29.079, F number 1.03, angle of view is 53.2. And example, uh, for the 32mm F1.0, focal length is 32.022, F number 1.03, and half angle of view, 49.8. The patent holder, of course, is Fujifilm Corporation, patent number is 7048521. And the, let's see here, registration date is March 28th of 2022. Issue date is April 5th of 2022. Name of invention, imaging lens, and imaging equipment. In recent years, lens systems with F numbers that are even smaller than the F numbers of this lens system described in patent documents 1 to 4 have been requested. There is a problem that the Gaussian type has a large sagicomoric uh, aberration when the angle view is wider, but even though it has a small F number, there is a need for a lens system that can obtain high quality images by correcting aberration as well. In addition, lens systems with small F numbers are desirable because there is a problem of disadvantages uh, speeding up autofocus because the weight of the group moving at the time of focusing becomes heavier, so it is desirable to reduce the weight of the focus group. This disclosure is considered in view of the above circumstances, and although it has a small F number, it is designed to reduce the weight of the focus group and the image sensor with high optical performance with good aberration and imaging device with this imaging lens. The purpose is designed to serve to give high quality images in a less heavy body. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But like Patrick said, a lot of times these patents only stay on paper. They never actually go into production. Fuji guys setting up the Tascam CA XLR2D-F. Recently, Fujifilm released firmware updates for the Fujifilm X-T4 and the X-S10 to add support for the Tascam CA XLR-D2F XLR device. Now the Fuji guys show you how to set this device up with your compatible Fujifilm cameras. 
You can also you can watch us on the Fuji Guys uh, YouTube channel. Later on, also the Fujifilm GFX 100S will get support for this device as well. The uh, recording device can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Breaking Fujifilm XH2S coming in 2022. We told you already a long time ago that Fujifilm will launch not one, but two Fujifilm X-H2 cameras in 2022. We also told you that one will have a new 26 megapixel sensor and the other a new 40 megapixel sensor. Today, we can tell you that one of the two cameras will be called the Fujifilm X-H2S. You can follow all the Fuji Rumors information here on FujiRumors.com, and there are various subgroups where you can follow specific cameras if your heart desires. Next up, the Tamron 18-300 F35-63 firmware 2 released. The shortage on this lens is slowly coming to an end. Many of fellow X-shooters have already won in their hands. Well, if you're one of those, then you should know that Tamron has released a firmware update. You can download it at the link in this article in the show notes. The operability of the focus ring during manual focus has been improved. That's the only bug fix in this firmware update. You can order the lens at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. And this is a lens I'm probably going to look to get myself at some point. I do have the 50 to 230 in the XC mount that I, or XC series that I just bought, or actually I got it in the trade not too long ago. And it is a good lens, but I would like a slightly longer focal length. And this would be a great, and I've been telling people this on the Fuji uh, groups that I'm in, that this would be a great single lens when you go on vacation or something like that, because you've got 18 millimeters all the way out to 300. That's a lot of versatility in a single lens. And that's why I'll probably pick one up myself before too long. Next up, the Viltrox AF 13 millimeter F 1.4 XF mount available on Amazon. This lens is marked as in stock at Amazon US via Viltrox and is also available for pre-order at Amazon US, Amazon DE, Amazon UK via Pergear. You can also get it directly at Pergear US and Pergear DE. Some Fuji Rumors readers wrote to me that they have already received their lens, looking forward to their images and to hear more about their experiences with this new lens. It's definitely a nice addition to the X-Mount lineup. And uh, as I mentioned before, I do have the XF 33mm 1.4, and I absolutely love that lens. So I have a feeling this one's probably going to be a good one as well. Fujifilm X-H2 coming with two vertical battery grip options. We have received information that there will be two different battery grip options for the Fujifilm X-H2 cameras. One of the cameras will be called the Fujifilm X-H2S. I'm working on figuring out in detail what the differences will be between the two grips. As soon as I can, I will share additional details. So definitely stay tuned on Fuji Rumors. We're going to have some fun weeks and months ahead. Remember, not only will there be two different vertical battery grips, there will also be two different X-H2 cameras, both having a different and completely brand new sensor. Tamron 18-300mm F35-63 in stock at B&H Photo, Amazon, and Adorama. You can order this lens now for $699 US, and you can get it via third party as well, and Adorama. 
in the U.S. You can find it at B&H Photo, Amazon U.S., Adorama, and Focus Camera. And if they don't have it yet, I'm sure it won't be long before Moment will have it as well. Next up, Fujifilm Talks, Future of XGFX, Why First 10 Years Were Very Difficult, Lens Design versus Production, Fujinon versus Third Party, and more. A couple of days ago, Fujifilm managers and engineers published an almost 20-minute interview in Japanese. The whole talk is in Japanese and a real pain to watch using the automatic YouTube translator tool. A pain Fuji Rumors readers should not go through, so I did what nobody else did. I rolled up my sleeves and put 1.5 hours of my time into making sense of the talk and summing it up for you guys with the greatest care and highest accuracy. So here is what we have. Uh, lens design versus lens production. The various teams inside Fujifilm work close together, uh, closer than they ever have in the past. For example, they must think not only about performance of a lens, but also at productivity. A lens designer said he once designed the lens just as he liked it. But talking to the production team, he realized that manufacturing that lens would have required adjusting the assembly of the parts a lot compared to other lenses. So he designed a lens that was not very productive. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Hence, when designing a lens, he has also to keep in mind the production part of it. Sometimes optical designs can become a disadvantage for production. Fujifilm has to balance between the needs of lens design and lens produ uh, productivity or production. Uh, designing a lens is con a continuous back and forth between the lens design team and the production team. The lens design team has also pushed the production team to improve various uh, ports in the factory to make more complex parts assembly more productive. I guess that is why Fujifilm went with such a similar design with the XF18 1.4 RWR, the XF23 F1.4, and the 33 1.4 all RWR lenses. They can set up one great design and apply that as much as possible across several lenses. Seen from this perspective, ditching the focus clutch on the XF23 improves productivity of the lens itself and hence reduces the cost for Fujifilm. Fujidon versus third party. It's always better to increase the number of choices for customers. Fuji's super zoom lens stopped at XF 18 to 135, but Tamron made 18 to 300. With more lens options, the number of customers will increase. From a customer's point of view, third party lenses are a great option. From a sales perspective, it is more complicated because they are direct rivals to Fuji's own lenses. The solution is simply to make lenses better than other companies do. Third-party lens manufacturers make the same lens for various mounts, which allows them to sell a lot cheaper than Fuji can do with Fujinon lenses, which are not sold to other mounts. Fujinon lenses can't beat third-party lenses in terms of price. That's why they have overall performance improvements. And indeed, if you look at all the latest Fujinon lenses, for example, the XF18 F1.4 RLM, the XF23 F1.4 RLM, and the 33 1.4 RLM, but also the upcoming 56 F1.2 MK2, they are way ahead of anything else you can buy from third parties around that range. As far as the future of the X system, the first 10 years were very difficult. Sony teamed up with Minolta to go mirrorless, Panasonic teamed up with Olympus to go mirrorless. Even big manufacturers, when making such a big move, can't do it without having a lot of know-how in many different areas. Fujifilm went alone without any partnership. Fujifilm made SLRs until the mid-1980s. 
When they decided to go mirrorless, they looked in the house for the proper know-how to make this step happen. The first lenses were slow and noisy and needed lots of improvements in several areas. Over the first 10 years, Fuji suffered from several things. Lots of improvements have been made in the last 10 years. Now they are pursuing performance that will not fade even 10 years from now. Lenses have a relatively long life compared to cameras, hence they see them as treasures. Fujifilm has learned to design lenses that don't become obsolete quickly and therefore lose value fast. Now Fujifilm wants to make lenses that won't fade out in performance during the next 10 years. For the Fujifilm GFX system, characteristics and future, the GFX sensor is about four times as big as APS-C. Even though they started with a 50 megapixel sensor, they designed lenses good for 100 plus megapixels. There was no full frame 100 megapixel camera out there when they started developing a 100 megapixel capable G-mount lenses, and there still are none on the full frame side. No full frame lens can apparently resolve 100 megapixels. As for Fujifilm, they had a 26 megapixel sensor and all APS-C lenses could resolve that. So was it enough to just take the APS design and quadruple it? Nope. Manufacturing GFX lenses required more than double the lens assembly accuracy over APS-C lenses. Fuji has currently 17 G-mount lenses, including the teleconverter and the three lenses announced in the latest G-mount roadmap. Compared to the X-Lens offering, there are still quite some missing parts in the G-mount lens offerings. Fujifilm must strengthen the G-mount lens offerings in the future. X and GFX system will continue. The market for medium format is smaller. Fujifilm can't develop something that does not sell Admin note, they uh, imply that having pushed the GFX system to 17 lenses and continuing to push the system means they are happy with the sales. They have great customer feedback. The GFX cameras are becoming quite small for what they are. They designed also keeping miniaturization of the system in mind. As far as the developer's dreams, prototypes for wide-angle G-mount zooms are already quite advanced. Uh, APS-C has to take advantage of its size, especially in the telephoto range. If the angle of view is the same, APS-C lenses can be definitely smaller than full frame. A 600 millimeter on a full frame is 400 millimeters on APS-C, or a 90 or 900 millimeter on full frame is 600 millimeter on APS-C. Small, light, and nice to handle lenses. Fujifilm thinks they made a good decision to keep uh, to skip full frame and offer overwhelming image quality with GFX and high image quality and performance with a compact APS-C system. And I would have to agree with Fuji there. As I've said before, they are currently the kings of both APS-C and digital medium format. They just are. They have the technology perfected. They have the lens quality out there. The lenses are available. They have systems that are just fantastic to shoot with and that's one of the reasons why fujifilm is so popular you can't knock it next up fujifilm patents active sensor cooling system for cameras with ibis but really for fujifilm xh2 and 2s fujifilm has patented this system these kind of cooling systems are generally used for video centric cameras like the panasonic gh6 or s1h and the Canon EOS R5C and the Sony FX3. I know what you're thinking. This must be for the Fujifilm X-H2, which everybody expects to be a video-centric camera for Fujifilm. But I have learned one thing in all these years. My speculations are not necessarily as accurate as the rumors from our sources. This is why I won't even try it. 
and just let it out there, the patents sit out there waiting for our sources to give us some more solid indications of the Fujifilm X-H2 camera. So there you have it, a patent for an active cooling system. And last from Fuji rumors for this week, Fujifilm X-H2 and X-H2S will not have in-camera active cooling system. Okay, guys, just a few hours ago, we reported about a patent showing in-camera active cooling system. Of course, this generated a sprayle of fake rumors claiming that this is for the X-H2 and 2S. So once again, let's Fuji rumors, let's set things right and tell you that neither one of the two Fujifilm X-H2 cameras will have the in-camera active sensor cooling system described in the patent available on the Panasonic S1H and company. So no huge fan bump on the backside of the camera with the grid to let the hot air out. And you know what? Personally, I'm happy with it. Speaking of fakes, a little warning, there is an incredible amount of fake rumors about the X-H2 that go from one that said the X-H line has been canceled to the one we have debunked today. The only correct rumors I've read are the ones copied from Fuji Rumors without quoting a or Fuji without quoting Fuji Rumors. I am aware that all these fakes could lead to confusion, and since nobody likes to deliberately get fooled and confused, I'd like to express my huge thanks to our sources who make sure we don't get misled and that if we talk rumors, then at least reliable ones. <laughs> and that's always a good thing. Two more things to look forward to. There will be lots more rumors here on Fuji Rumors. Nokashita is still active just elsewhere. So when I am done with my rumors, I'll hand over to Nakashita to share a press release, full specs, etc. Until then, check out the updated XH2 rumors listed below. So a lot of interesting information. So it looks like Fuji is patenting an active cooling system, but it will not be or the X-H2 or 2S. And now we'll head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up today's episode. First up, these official Star Trek USB sticks are damn cool. These Star Trek Discovery badge series are now available on Kickstarter, and you can find them at the accompanying link. As of this posting, the Kickstarter has raised $84,921 of a goal of $2,500. So that is absolutely awesome. And if these do come to market, you know I'm going to have to get them because I'm a big Star Trek nerd. And Tina and I love to watch Discovery. Next, the Sony Xperia 1 4 and the iPhone 14 Pro Max might share the same Sony 48-megapixel uh, sensor. Concept renderings of the Sony Xperia 1 4 leaked by OnLeaks gives next hinted at a triple cam system. Sony Xperia 1.4 and the iPhone 14 Pro Max could share the same sensor. The Sony Xperia 1.4 is rumored to have the specs. A 48-megapixel bare CFA, 1.3-inch uh, dual-pixel AF, dual 11 12-bit analog digital conversion DRAM on chip, full-res 12-bit 90 frames per second, and full-res DOL HDR 12-bit 30 frames per second merges three frames in real time. And this is all coming from Weibo, which is a Chinese rumor site. Rumor, the new 24-70 GM2 is extremely sharp and the lightest standard zoom lens on the market. A source told me that he handled this new lens, and it's extremely sharp, designed like the current 70-200 GM2. It's the lightest 24-70 2.8 on the market. 
He said Sony told him the lens would be announced in April, but there's still no exact date as of yet. You can watch this video on YouTube. Deals round up up to $200 off on Tamron lenses. Save 30 on the Topaz Denoise. Save 40 on Seven Artisans and Viltrox E-mount lenses. The Tamron 150-500, F5-67, DI3, VXD lens for the Sony E-mount can be ordered for $1,199, which is a savings of $200. The regular price is $1,399. Uh, you can order the lens at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon. On Amazon, you'll save $20 on Seven Artisans and Viltrock lenses if you use the checkout code 40V4TNL4. Uh, you can save on the Seven Artisans 50mm F095 and on the Viltrox 35 1.8 and the 56 1.4. Until April 15th, you can save $30 on Topaz Denoise. Click here if you add our checkout code RUMOR. Reminder, you can use our checkout code RUMOR to get an additional 15% discount on all Topaz Labs products. So there's some savings for you. Next up, new wooden Sony A7 IV, A7 R4, A7C, and A1 images. On Facebook, you can find a bunch of new images and video on these wooden mock-ups and this is the new a7 IV wooden camera video which you can watch on andre p uh pizzini photography so you can check that out for yourself right on his youtube channel world famous greg frazier uh dune and mandalorian will use the sony fx3 for his next movie Greg Frazier, the cinematographer of Doom, The Batman, The Mandalorian, Rogue One, etc., will be using the Sony FX3 to shoot uh, Garth Edwards' next movie, True Love. He mentions this on a cinematography podcast at 38 minutes and 28 seconds into the show. If you're interested in the FX3 full-frame cinema camera, you can order one at B&H Photo for $3,898. Also at Adorama, Focus Camera, Photo Koch, Germany, Photo Earnhardt, Germany, Calumet, Germany, Wex UK, and Park UK. Sony announced the new Sony UWP-D wireless microphone series. It's available for pre-order now at B&H Photo for $679.99. And it does look like it's going to be one heck of a video system. First video showing the upcoming On One Resize AI in action. On One published an exclusive tour of their upcoming On One Resize AI on this page. You can click the link in this article in the show notes. There's also a pre-order offer that ends on April 22nd. And you can watch the video on the official On One YouTube channel. New Samyang 24-70mm firmware update. The Samyang 24-70 got a firmware update that gives you the ability to have linear focusing. Here is a short video displaying the new feature, which you can watch on YouTube. The price for this lens, you can pre-order it now for $999 at B&H Photo. In Europe, at Wex UK, Photo Koch DE, and Photo Earnhardt DE, I'm sure it will be available on Adorama on Amazon before too long as well. <laughs> Next up, $150 off on the Samyang 75mm f1.8 FE lens sold by Adorama. I did check, and as of the time of this recording, the sale is still available. Uh, you can save $100 also on the Venus Lawa 9mm f2.8 E-mount lens. 
Uh, let's see. And that's all of it for that article. So we'll move on. New firmware update on four Sigma E-mount primes. Sigma has issued new firmware updates for the following lenses. The Sigma 16mm, 30mm, 56mm, all F1.4 DCDN, which is their contemporary lenses for the APS-C mount. And the Sigma 35mm F2 DGDN, which is a uh, contemporary lens for full frame. So you can get those firmware updates now if you own one of those lenses. New Tamron patent discloses a 28 to 75 F4 FE zoom. Tamron patented an entry level companion of the current 28 to 75 F2 lens or 2.8 lens, I'm sorry. Focal length 28.8419 to 70.7392. F value of 4.1128 to 4.1053. Half angle of view, 37.8908 to 15.9258 millimeters. Image height is 20.2060 to 21.6330 millimeters, of course. And overall length is 130 millimeters. And this comes via Azobiznet, uh, whatever the heck that is. <laughs> EU deal 60 euros off on the new Samyang 50mm f1.4 FE2 lens sold by Amazon DE. As you know, Amazon Europe has ongoing Easter deals on a lot of cameras and electronics on the following pages at Amazon DE, Amazon UK, Amazon France, Italy, Spain, and Netherlands. Today, you can save big on the new 50mm FE2 lens at Amazon DE. And last from Sony Alpha Rumors and wrapping up today's episode, new Shotten MFT to Sony adapter. Shotten announced the new MFT to Sony E-mount adapter. This isn't the first adapter of this kind. Photodiox already has such an adapter for sale on B&H Photo. And there are some accompanying images in this article, which you can find in the show notes. And that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 240 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also wanted to remind you to stop by and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Thursday.